all you listeners out there. Welcome to another episode of Movie Mastery. I am your host, John, with me, my co-host, Jeff. Greetings, everybody. And we are the podcast that watched the movies that you've told us to watch. And this time, we got Robot Jacks. Robot Jacks. I have to say it that way. Uh, ever since I was a teenager, uh, and I saw Robot Jocks in the local video rental store back mm -hmm. in, you know, the time before. Yes, the time before the time. For some reason, my friend, whenever we would see it, would always say it, Robot Jacks. <laughs> and I literally cannot think of it as anything but that in my head when I think of the movie. Uh, yeah, I remember seeing this when I was a kid and being impressed by a single scene towards the end, just because I was a huge nerd, but I don't even want to talk about it right now. That's, that's Oh, yeah. The, the only thing I really have any connection to with this movie was when I was like, I don't know, maybe 10, I saw this and was like, holy shit, they did something right. <laughs> Weird. Because, you know, <laughs> that's not the reaction you get from most of this movie. No, no. I mean, well, I mean, let's be realistic. This is a Stuart Gordon B movie. Uh, it's very workmanlike and definitely tells the story that they wanted to. It's just kind of slow in the middle. I, okay, not getting into any spoilers yet, just the yeah. general review. Mm -hmm. More than I would say in a standard B movie, there was a lot of points where it felt like this movie wanted to do something and was even telegraphing stuff would happen and then did not deliver. And I was like, come on. I mean, yeah, it definitely feels like it's over-exceeding its grasp. Like, it wanted to tell a story, had a whole theme, Cold War theme going on, but didn't have more than, like, four sets, and so they were kind of stuck working with those. Uh, ultimately, it's still very much a product of 1989, but I've seen a lot worse sci-fi robot movies, and a, a lot of them have been made more recently than this. Uh, yeah. I mean, come on. We saw, what was it called? Crash and Burn? That was like 10 times worse than this. Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, when I was looking up information on this movie, that also came up as like, hey, did you also want to know about this movie? It's like this and that it sucks. <laughs> I mean, it's like this in that it's some post-apocalypse movie about robots, but they can't really afford to show you the robots that much. But this definitely shows you more. I mean, it shows you more. Whether or not that is a good thing. Ah, oh, come on. They're adorable. <laughs> Stop motion, punch them up, rock them, sock them looking things. Huh? Uh, yeah, the, uh, I would say, overall, the movie isn't, let's say, the worst thing ever. No, no, I'm not saying, I, I'm not here to go absolutely to bat for this. What I'm saying is that as far as old robot movies go, I have seen pits of despair that that uh, this has easily climbed up out of. Sure, sure. That's all. That's all. I'm just saying this is like a C. It's fine. It's a C of a B movie. <laughs> a great C of B movies. Yeah, I mean, speaking of Crash and Burn, though, the fact that that yeah. was sort of their break a leg in this movie, and then a year later, the garbage robot movie is named Crash and Burn. I was like... Well, I mean... There's no way that's a coincidence. That, that no, I, I mean that's like a mockbuster, right? That's like an early mockbuster. There, well, we can we can copy Robot Jocks. Obviously, copying Star Wars is out of everybody's wheelhouse, but we can copy Robot Jocks. It's it's very interesting to me that someone would watch Robot Jocks and go, "We should try and do that, but cheaper." Uh, yeah. I mean, 
cheaper is, I mean, because you definitely can watch it and think we should do this, but more expensive, in which case you're like Guillermo del Toro uh, going like, hey, what if uh, what if all of humanity kept putting guys in big robots to defend everybody? And the robots were kind of silly, but were like big, huge celebrities. Yeah, that would be the same thing. Yeah. I mean, to Not be quite. fair, Pacific Rim is nothing like this, but no, outside no, of gonna... there are big robots. Well, big robots that are piloted by world celebrities and the robots themselves are treated like celebrities, too. That's kind of the one connection between them. <laughs> Whatever. Last time you liked the movie more than me. This time I think I might have liked it a little more than you. Great. I love when we disagree on things. Me too. It's my favorite. I, I love how wrong you are all the time. All the time. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead. We'll play a little music. We'll get back. We're going to do the full in-depth spoiler review where we will both plead our cases for exactly how bad this movie is when we get back. So you hold on and we will do Robot Jacks. All right, we're back, and it is time to really figure out what's going on with all these robot jocks. Yeah, I mean, do they have to wear them for athletic support, or is it just that they like the feeling of wind on their butts? I mean, who doesn't? Come on now. Oh, everyone likes a nice windy butt. Everybody likes the feel of wind on a robot jock's butt. (laughs) So we open in a robot fight. I mean, granted, we also open with a whole... Well... Really, we open with one of those 80s sci-fi movie text crawls. Oh, yeah. I mean, what we get is, you know, the narrator who's like, Hey, there was a nuclear war, and everyone almost died, and and then we decided, All right, war is illegal, and I just <laughs> I love that could line, not yeah. stop laughing. I was like, Ah, yes, War, that's illegal. Who would possibly do that? (laughs) You can't kill me. That's illegal. I mean, granted, war is not technically illegal on Earth. It's there are certain aspects of it that are considered immoral or or extra wrong. That's why we have things like the Geneva Convention and so on. But even the Geneva Convention is not like no war. No war is allowed. Yeah, but in this universe, there are basically only two not even really countries as much as it is just sort of coalitions of people still alive, although it's basically just Russians versus Americans. Oh, yeah, no, it's completely, I mean, sure, they're called the Confederation, which is the bad guys, and the Market, which is the good guys. Do you get it? Do you get why they're called those things? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Russians. Yeah. Communism. And, and uh, The free market. And the only two people you ever see who are members of the Confederation both have thick, if kind of fakey, Russian accents. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it's very, like, that era of Russian panic sort of stuff where it's like the main Russian bad guy is your sort of like, I'm a Russian Superman. And then the dude, the other one we see is like his manager who is a schlumpy little Gorbachev. Uh, yeah, yeah, and you only barely ever even see him. He's never, like, not on TV. But yeah, that's definitely a, a, uh, a... It's obviously a Cold War analogy, is what they wanted to sell you. Basically, constant trade disputes and disputes over land rights are settled by having uh, professional celebrity robot pilots duke it out in big, stupid robots 
uh, until a floating platform of refer of of mean ref- referees declare a victor. At which point, things like the ownership of Alaska tend uh, get shared around. Now, that's I'm going to go ahead and start right there mm-hmm. with the referees in this for what, as far as the concept here goes, because they seem to just waffle between absolutely not giving a shit about anything and then suddenly being extraordinarily strict about things. Yes, no, you're you're right there. And as long if we're jumping around to talk about how that's the case, the uh the opening scene of this movie is uh well, the opening scene that's not a text crawl is the bi- the movie's bad guy who is in every single fight in the movie, uh Alexander, uh defeating a someone in, in like a qualifying match, someone who doesn't matter. And he, the guy is on the ground already begging for his life, and Alexander's like, ha 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 ha, I, I will not give you your life, and steps on him. Yeah, and this is after, like, the referee has gone, alright, uh, we side in favor of the Confederation, uh, Confederacy, and you guys win this match, just, you know, you're done now. And he's like, wah, 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 I kill you anyway. I'm like, there has to be some sort of rule. Well, it's funny because like, later can't... later in the movie, we have the exact same situation occur where Alexander's out, uh, still up in his, his robo, and he's about to stomp on someone uh, who is lost, and then the referees come flying out, and they're like, if you stomp on them, you will forfeit. And it's like, you didn't say that in the first scene. What changed? It's very weird, and especially the things that they seem to care about, because the... <laughs> The whole thing with the referees every time they show up is they're there to either go, we don't give a shit, fuck you, mm-hmm. everything is proceeding, even though, like, tons of rules that probably should be in place for this have been broken, we don't care. Yeah. And then, randomly, they'll just go like, oh, wait a minute, we care about this one now. And like, why? Well, yeah, it's almost like they have a turn, a, a change of heart at the very end of the of the movie. When they suddenly are like, no, Alexander, you must stop. But it's really just to let Alexander stomp on something because he crushes their silly little flying platform. Uh. I mean, that's I mean, they're not even on it. They jump off it and he crushes their silly little platform. And it's it's literally the, the ref show up to be like, you will automatically lose. Uh, honestly, the last fight in this doesn't make a lick of sense. They, people keep no. changing their minds about whether or not they want to fight. Uh, it, it just keeps going back and forth like that. But. Honestly, the last fight is like a half hour. It's like a third of this movie. Yeah. And it is top to bottom nonsense garbage. Oh, no, like I said, it's just constantly changing motivations. They just, everybody in the fight is constantly like, wait, I want to fight. I no longer wish to fight. I have to fight to prove myself, but I don't need to fight to make myself proven. Just just goes on like that for so long. <laughs> it's It's definitely a thing. Yeah. But after Ale- now, Alexander crushes the guy in uh, in the first scene, we, pay, we we pull back to see that other people are watching it on TV. Oh, yeah. And the market is all abuzz in their control center because they didn't send in their number one robot, Jack Achilles. Yeah. And former superstar robot jock Tex Conway is like, oh, dang, now, dang it. You should let me put in my boy. My boy would have taken him down. Yeah, that's one of the funnier things about this movie is that uh, it's supposed to be set in the far-off future of something or other. I forget. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if they even tell you when it is. but I don't think they do. Yeah, it's supposed to be post-World War Three because that's the opening line. Uh, the, the It is post-World War Three. 
war is outlawed. <laughs> but so we know a whole other world war is coming gone, but yet we still have this like old timey Texan stereotype as one of the coaches. Absolutely love it. And and uh he's unbelievably red faced, flop sweat angry that his boy was not in there doing this fight, which is kind of a weird thing when you when you come around to hear the rest of the story, which is that uh, Achilles, his guy, only has one fight left on his contract. Yeah, and they're like, we've been saving Achilles for when there's a fight that actually matters, because most of these fights are over, like, tiny little things, like, oh, just this little territory over here, or the rights to this, but the next fight coming up is for all of Alaska. Alaska. So they're like, we had to save Achilles for Alaska. Yeah, and Alaska is, is you know, is fuck on, full on fuck off enormous and completely full of resources. So it is absolutely a place that people want to fight over, and it's going to go to Achilles, our main character. Uh, and now is a good time to mention him because he's in this scene. Uh, he's played by a, a regular actor named Gary Graham, who just has a face that says, I'm a Romulan, and I've played a lot of Romulans. <laughs> he has that face that he's like, hey, you ever heard of a little guy called Ambassador Sovor or whatever? Mm-hmm. That's me. I'm, I'm in Star Trek a lot. Like, I didn't even know whether or not he had been in Star Trek, but when I got a look at him and I was like, this guy's played Romulans. I don't know when he's played Honestly, Romulans. <laughs> looking at him, I was like, wait a minute, is this Paul Blackthorne? <laughs> oh, wait, no, this is this is definitely not him. Okay, who is this? And then I had to look him up. Yeah. And when I looked him up and saw that he had been on at least Enterprise and and several other different things uh, that are Star Trek related, including a, a stuff I've never even heard of. Like, apparently he's, oh, he's yeah. a regular on something called uh, The Sons of Kirk and also on something called Star Trek Renegades. Yes, indeed. Uh, and he's got a character that's shown up in, like, I think one of those shows that was also in a video game somewhere, like Regnar or something. It's very weird, but yes, is he is not. However, the only Star Trek alum that is in this movie. Uh, no, no, you're right because, uh, well, I mean, let's be realistic. It's a, it's a Stuart Gordon movie, and Stuart Gordon's favorite actor of all time is Jeffrey Combs. So I have to assume that's what you're talking about. Oh yeah, <laughs> Jeffrey Combs, the best in this movie for. No reason. Basically just written in to give Jeffrey Combs something to do. Well, yeah, because he had been in Reanimator, what, like three years before this? And then between those two, that other one that he was in with the two, what was that? Uh, shit. From Beyond. Do you remember that one? The one where he yeah. grows that weird pineal gland, a head tentacle? Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. These two loved each other no, the, and worked together on the regular. I was just so excited to be like, ooh, Jeffrey Combs is in this. And his entire thing is just... Some dude on the street going like, yeah, I'm going to bet on Achilles. Oh, no, Achilles. And that's it. That's his whole deal. (laughs) He had a spare afternoon between playing four different Star Trek characters. Yeah. It was like, what are you? Are you an Andorian or Wayoon or Brunt or whatever? Uh, Andorian. Uh, Captain Shran. That's his other one. There it is. There we go. And I know he's played more. (laughs) He just loves being on Star Trek. Hell, he, who doesn't wouldn't? Even, he doesn't even come close to setting that record, by the way. There's a guy who's been seven different things on Star Trek. <laughs> nice. And all of them, every single one of the seven things he was on Star Trek was in TOS. Hmm. I think he played like four Vol- four Klingons and three Vulcans or something like that. I mean, that makes sense if you're talking about TOS. Because yeah. you're like, well, you, you, we only have a limited pool and budget here. Yeah. 
and once you find an actor that that works well and that you want to work with them on the regular regular basis, that's actually something I've read about over and over again when it comes to Star Trek is that they find favorite alien actors and then they just keep hauling them in. Oh yeah, I have to imagine that is a thing that they're like, uh, if we actually like you and you're willing to get into a dumb outfit and actually act for us, mm-hmm. great. And you see it come up with characters who who or actors who start off doing a bunch of dumb aliens and then eventually get a real job on Star Trek, like Tim Russ, who played three or four Klingons and then got Tuvok. There you go. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm all nerding out about Star Trek right now. But instead, we, we watch these two guys, uh, Achilles and his coach, Tex, who is just the biggest fucking, like, it, they were just like, well, I want to put in the kind of guy who will throw his cowboy hat on the ground and shout yee-hoo when he discovers that there's oil in the ground. I mean, like one it of the- was one of those things where... They didn't say right away that, like, oh, he's, like, a coach or something, or he's in charge of tactics, which he is. I was immediately like, oh, is this going to be, like, an Elvis thing where he's, like, this guy's manager? That was what I thought. He's going to be his manager slash coach. Uh, he just has that aura around. Well, also because he's yelling about his boy. He's like, you should have put in my boy, which means, yeah, he's someone's manager and coach. Yeah, except, turns out, no, he's just the tactical lead for this, but he really likes Achilles. Well, Achilles is his top man, but yeah, he is, uh, he, if Achilles, top man. if Achilles quits, he still has a job here, uh, just being tactical advice and so on and being like the number one or number two in charge of the facility. Yeah. Now, after the two of them yell a bunch about how they really wanted this job, it's time to be introduced to the, well, the movie can't be all about giant robots. That's expensive and hard to film. So instead, here's our new tension point, uh, a group of genetically engineered test tube humans who are the ulti- who are supposed to be the ultimate pilots. Yes. They have started up a gen jock uh program that will create the perfect robot jocks. They will know no fear and they will be trained to be the best of the best. Now I appreciate that that uh we even get a line where Achilles has to be like no moms, no dads grown in tubes, and I'm like, oh, cool. So they're not real test tube babies where they are in vitro and fer- uh, fertilized and implanted into a into a host mother. They're straight up grown from nothing in tanks. Yeah, they're vats. Yeah, they're vat babies. And everyone calls them, what, uh, tubies? Yep, tubies. And everyone hates them. We've got, that's our that's our big, uh, our big point of tension is that these new uh, up-and-comers who only want to win uh, for the, the, the market, they are 100% dedicated to the cause, Everyone thinks of them as creepy weirdos and not fit to fi- to fly a real robot. Oh, well, I mean, it's mostly just Tex and Achilles, because they're like, ah, oh, we, Tex was an old 10-time champion, because the whole conceit is, if you're a robot jock, your contract is for 10 fights, and then you can quit. Yeah. And, you know, Achilles has done nine, nine where he's won. So, at this point, they're like, oh, yeah, you know... You can't replace good old-fashioned human ingenuity, and if you try and grow it in a lab, you'll never get it done. And they're kind of the jingoist <laughs> members of the robot jock clan. Yeah, yeah. And they are they are super dubious about these, especially because one of these new uh, people, and by the way, none of the Tubies have names, they just have code names like Achilles does. I think Achilles is a real name, but hell if I remember what it was. Um, oh yeah, it's like Mark or some shit. Yeah. But but these everyone people, calls him Achilles. These people don't even have that. The only one of them that matters is Athena, the only one who's a woman. Yeah, and that's a big sticking point because there's never been a woman robot jock. Why 
I can't imagine they'd ever let a woman pilot one of these, which seems very weird because it's not a not physical. like you need to do anything. Yeah. It's the weird. I mean, yes, technically they they do the same thing that they do on Pacific Rim, albeit much cheaper. Where while they're up in the suit, they're like strapped in and they kind of move with their feet to make the feet move and swing their arms to make the arms swing. And but at the same time, are holding joysticks in both hands that also make the arms swing. But. uh... <laughs> But there's nothing that there's no particular good reason why a woman wouldn't be able to do the exact same job. It's like saying a woman could never play a video game. Oh yeah, well people you know, do say that. It's it's the same thing. Like ah, oh, a lady that's gonna be a race car driver. Well, I never. It takes a man to turn a wheel to the left. Yeah, yeah. So uh, not only is everybody doubtful of the muti- of the tubies. But they're doubly doubtful of this here female, except oh, except for uh, in, in an attempt to make sure that we don't like any of the main characters early on. Uh, the woman who's in charge of the 2B program shows up and just hands both of our main guys like cups. And she's like, here, sperm these up real good for me. I just want you to fill them with hot cum. I need I need your DNA so we can make cool like robo jock clones of you. Mm-hmm. And of course. Because Achilles needs to also be awful. He looks back at Athena and is like, what if I just make a direct deposit, huh? That's what I meant. Yeah, we had to make sure that none of the main characters are especially likable. Yep. It's all terrible. All of the Tubies are just, like, super jingoistic and all like, oh, I can't wait to murder people. And then our main character is also the worst. Yeah, the Tubies are clinical creeps is the whole thing with them because they've been trained on nothing their entire lives but robot jocking and the rules of robot jocking. And so when they're like, oh, should we allow civilians to die if it lets us win the competition? Of course we should. Why would we not kill civilians? I'd kill 100 civilians to win a contest. I'd kill 200. Yeah, it's... I mean, that's the next thing that really comes up when we get the first fight for Alaska, when Achilles is going to fight uh, Alexander, Mm -hmm. there's going to be some casualties in the stands because for some reason they allow people in stands next to the giant robots fighting. Yeah, and I believe before that happens, there's a scene in a bar where we get to... uh... We, we, we have him be mean to the Tubies. Alexander shows up and everyone's like, what's a Confederate or Confederation guy doing here in our bar? And he's like, uh, relax, I am not here to fight you. I only do my fighting in robot. However, I will be very insulting, thus ensuring good fight later. Yeah, I'm going to drink vodka and tell you how much I despise your pitiful uh, market robots. Yeah, and you know... They have a little back and forth where Achilles is like, I'm not, I don't hate you, but you are making my beer curdle. And everyone in the bar is like, ooh. To which Alexander responds, interesting. You are making my vodka taste like blood. And and everyone's like, which, what? Uh, I got it. He was like, I'm looking forward to, to uh, making you bleed. And therefore, just seeing you makes me think of blood. It wasn't I mean, good, but the thing is, Russian. I understand what he was going mm-hmm. for. But he's like, ah, you make my vodka taste like blood. I'm like, is that is that good? Is it bad? Oh, it, like, what are you? It is very good. It's good. Everyone wants blood-flavored vodka all the time. Also, that was the third bar scene, to be the fair. The third bar scene? Jeez, how many of the... Okay. There were three bar scenes. Okay. One where he's 
before he goes to the Alaska fight, mm-hmm. one where he's drunk after the Alaska fight, and one where he is sober and in training before the second Alaska right. fight. Right. Okay, good to know. Anyway, in the Alaska fight, uh, we get to see the full extent of how these fights work, and yeah, I'll go ahead and admit, it's stupid. They're allowed to, at first, they have to stand at a distance from each other and shoot missiles and bullets and lasers and crap, which does nothing. None of it does anything. They can shoot all the missiles and lasers and bullets they want. It does. The only thing that matters is the part where they get up close and push each other over like so much weeble. Yeah, they they are constantly like, ooh, we've got to give you some new secret weapons. We've replaced your buzzsaw with a flamethrower and shit like that. Mm But like the the matters. new thing with this is they're like, hey, we gave you a new super green laser, which is our super secret weapon. And like uh, Alexander shoots a regular red laser at him and he manages to use the anti-laser tactic of blocking it with his arm that has a little mirror on it. Uh-huh. And the crowd goes wild because obviously these fights have a uh, a, a crowd that's present. Uh, and then there's a, a hail of missiles going back and forth. It doesn't do a goddamn thing. The green laser gets used. It doesn't do anything, which brings up well, the, our... The thing that's funny is he's like, ah, time to use the secret weapon, the green laser. And he deflects it in exactly the same way that mm-hmm. Achilles deflected the red laser. But everyone's like, oh my God, how did he know how to stop it? It must be sabotage. There's a spy here. And there is. Ultimately, there's. Uh, you'd assume there'd be a lot of corporate espionage when it comes to these robot fights that determine all of political uh, intrigue between various collectives. But still, the fact that everyone goes like, Oh, how could he possibly have known to block a laser with a mirror when we knew the exact same thing and it seems to be sort of common anti-laser tech? Yeah. Uh, then they get into a, a, they're like, all right, so the, the uh, uh, God, the referees, no more shooting at each other. Now you have entered the phase of the fight where you have to kind of shove each other. Yeah, now you get into that. I don't want to be the first one to throw a punch high school fight where you're just like, come on, come on. Do it. Do something. <laughs> and they just keep pushing each other over and over. Uh, eventually, the upper hand is gained by Achilles, who manages to grab Alexander's giant robot by, like, the leg or something and shove it to the ground, to which he responds in a blatant display of robot cheating by shooting a robot missile fist. Oh, yeah, because Achilles was down and about to be crushed by... Mm-hmm. Alexander, and he's like, aha, you replaced my buzzsaw with that flamethrower, and he flamethrowers the guy's leg off, and then, you know, illegal fist rocket. Can't do that fist rocket. That's definitely a big old cheat, and and, uh, unfortunately, the fist rocket, because he fired it while he was falling down, is just going wildly off course. It's going to plow into the stands and kill a bunch of people, and uh, Achilles can't have that, because he, at least at some level, is kind of a good guy. So he jumps in front yeah. to take the missile hit. And it does nothing, because instead of saving people from getting hit by the rocket fist, it just knocks him over, and then his robot crushes the stand. So, you know, mm-hmm. six of one, half dozen of the other. And we get a, a moment of pathos as he's laying, uh, uh, climbing out of his busted robot, looking down at the stands below and hearing the wailing and screaming of these people as they try and pull the broken bodies out from under his robot. And it just sucks. Oh, I mean, honestly, 
that's going to be most of this movie's like main plot until the last fight is instead of this being a movie about cool robots fighting, it's really basically a movie about PTSD. Yeah, it it, it well, it's a movie about uh, PTSD that goes to, that is cured by seeing a situation where a woman might do your job. Yes. <laughs> Nothing helps cure you of PTSD quite like rampant misogyny. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's cuz that's exactly what happens. Like he he gets he goes through all this PTSD and he's like I can never fight again. Wait, a woman's going in in my place? I'll fight. Don't let her fight. I will fight. No women can fight in my my fight spot. Uh, just sad. Yeah. I know that it was supposed to be played for like, oh, I care about Athena and I don't want to see her get killed because alexander is so good he will definitely kill you but it really just comes off as oh hell no no lady's gonna do this job yeah oh it's it's it does not read well for the movie but yeah we now go to the scene well first we have to go to the courtroom which is our first chance to see the the uh or I guess our second chance to see the uh, referees just being absolutely, completely assholes. Oh, yeah. It's just the capricious whims of the referees who are like, all right, well, we heard your cases, and I want to make it clear. The fact that this asshole killed 300 people doesn't matter. Well, it's funny, because <laughs> the whole thing is like, all right, here's the story. It's a horrible crime that 300 people were killed, but they were killed because... because uh What's-his-face, Alexander, fired a ranged weapon during the melee phase. He cheated and therefore should be disqualified, the death of all those people notwithstanding. And instead, oh, instead yeah. they just... That's the thing, is I, as I assumed they would find in favor of the market because they're like, all we care about is the rules. It doesn't matter if people die. We are completely impartial. Anyway, the fact that he cheated doesn't matter. It's a draw. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. They're just like... His cheating is irrelevant. And I'm like, no, it wouldn't be. That would have been, if it hadn't been for the fact that it killed a bunch of people, that would have been a disqualifying move. Yeah, you'd think, but apparently not. <laughs> so uh, so he's like, yeah, it, we don't care about the deaths of those people. While regrettable, irrelevant. You will fight again. The fight is on one week from today. And I'm like, are you guys just bloodthirsty or... Why aren't you why don't you care about the rules of this right now? Yeah, it's very strange cuz why even have that be a rule in the first place if you're like, "Ah, cheating just means you have to fight again." You're like, "All right, well, fuck it. If you're losing, just cheat and you'll get to fight yeah, again." Yeah, exactly. Just cheat and blow up the stands and then when the fight's over because a horrible tragedy broke out, you know you're just going to get another shot. Yeah, it's real stupid, but Achilles, of course, is absolutely traumatized by the deaths of all these people. And so he's like, well, I'm not going to fight that fight. That was my 10th fight. And, you know, even though we didn't finish it, technically I'm out. I did 10 fights. We're done. And I'm not going to fight anymore. Yeah, and everyone's like, you're cheating. You started 10 fights. You didn't finish 10 fights. And he's like, hey, my contract yeah. just says participate in 10 fights. I did 10 fights. It doesn't matter that the 10th one was a draw. It's 10 fights. And you're just quitting because you accidentally killed 300 people. And he's like, fucking, yeah, figure it out. Yes. <laughs> yes. I I got to get out of my robot being battered and bloody and look down at 300 squished people. And then after that, once I came to this dumb courtroom, I we, it was immediately made apparent to me that no one cared about any of that. 
Yeah. It was just a chance and for Alexander to get a free bonus fight. Yeah. Like, even when he goes to, in the next bar scene, to go get absolutely pissed drunk. He's drinking the alphabet, which I've always wanted to do. Yeah. He's going through, he's finished up through I, and now he's on J for Julep. Mm-hmm. And Our bartender has to be like, hey, I have to, I legally have to throw out any, throw out anyone I see who's drunk and you're drunk. I'm like, really? Cause that seems weird for a bar I, for your rule to be no getting drunk here now. I assume it's a dystopian future thing. It's just one more way to let us know that this place is a dystopia. You can't even get drunk in a bar like a red blooded American eighties man. The future is dark <laughs> indeed. But the uh, Athena and a couple of the other tubies come up and are like, oh, you! I can't believe you're not going to fight, you coward. And he's like, would you have just let that fist go through and murder those people so you could win? And they're like, yeah, clearly, obviously. Of course. Who gives a shit? They all signed a waiver to be there. They knew what might happen. I want to win. 300 people is worth it for Alaska. What the hell is wrong with you? I would step on those people uh, if I thought it would help me win in the first place, let alone block something going after them. And oh, yeah. Athena in particular no, is... All of these genetic ones are just like, yeah, fuck it, real humans. Right. And Athena in particular is especially clinical throughout this situation. Her whole thing is like, hey, uh, hey, Mark slash Achilles, what makes you special? How come you matter? We should be better than you in every respect because we were trained and designed specifically from the ground up to be better than you. What do you got that we ain't got? And she thinks it's some physical characteristic. Oh, yeah, because after Achilles passes out drunk, she takes him back to his room, takes all of his clothes off, and is like, I was studying you. And you're like, oh, wow, okay, so I guess everyone's a creep in this. Well, it's their best way to try and set up some kind of romance arc in this movie is because because you have a, a gross misogynist and a creepy robot clinical lady. So obviously the only way you can get them in the same room is to have them constantly either leer at each other or have her be like, I examined your naked form for nakedness. Yes, I wanted to see if there was something in the penis that lets you pilot a robot. <laughs> I mean, she's she's one of ten of these tubies, and all nine of the others are men, and we know they shower together because that's a scene in the movie. So uh, I, I assume that she doesn't even think it's the penis. She probably just thinks there's something special about this guy. And he's like, no, I'm just, you know, lucky, and I try really hard. That's That's all it is. The big thing is fear and she's like i will never know fear i have been genetically made to not know fear and he's like yeah that's all well and good but you should probably be afraid if you're in a giant robot versus another giant robot (laughs) yeah and she's like but fear is irrelevant and can put you in a dangerous situation he's like no it keeps you sharp but really he gives her that little tiny bit of advice between just endless amounts of whining because he's mostly just like uh like, oh, I'm hungover. Why is there a woman in my house? Why am I naked? I don't like this. Oh, I'm all out of orange juice. Mm-hmm. And then eventually he's like, all right, look, this this dumb interview is over. I want you to get out of my house. And then she wheels on him and is yelling. She's like, you're a worthless coward, Achilles. We will always do better than you because you don't really care about the win or the fight. Yeah, which... Mm. If you're looking at a guy who won nine straight and then had a draw on the last one, (laughs) well, I'm going to doubt your record is going to be all that amazing comparatively, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so now he's washing out of the program. He, he has to talk to Tex. Who's like, Hey, I really wish you wouldn't quit, but if you're gonna, you're gonna, and I wish you the best and, and good, good luck and good health. 
Yeah, he's got uh, a brother that he has who's in the regular city because the few glimpses we get outside of the like robot jock facility, everyone's in masks and everyone is just sort of dirty and disheveled looking. So it's very much the, ah, yes, the life of the robot jock gives you certain privileges like clean air and fresh clothes. Yeah, this is very much one of those movies that that, uh, sets up a huge amount of interesting dystopia stuff, but it doesn't have the time for it because it really has to focus on the robot story. So there's there's a couple. We find out that Achilles doesn't know how to read Mm -hmm. uh, because we get the, like, commissioner of robot jockery is like, ah, you know, just because you can't read your contract doesn't mean you can weasel out of it. And, and he's like, I may not be able to out, read, but I'm not a coward or an idiot. Yeah, and it turns out his brother's job is that he can mm-hmm. read. Like, that's his whole deal. Yeah, his brother and and uh, sister-in-law have six kids because the uh, the way that housing works in this universe is the more kids you have, the larger house you can have. Yes, because the whole other thing is there's a bunch of plastered propaganda posters for you should have more kids so that they can become robot jocks because this is ridiculously lethal. Uh, yes, yeah. Also, I, I kind of assume the world is de- uh, devastatingly underpopulated after the uh, the whole World War Three thing came and went, which is why they're trying to force people yeah, to have I mean, so many probably. kids. But you also got to go like, okay, but how are you going to you know feed keep all of these kids if you keep making well, obviously. them? obviously. What's your resource situation well, like? Well, th- obviously that's why they need Alaska so bad. Yeah, put all our kids in Alaska. Yeah, so that's the ticket. Got to be able to feed them bears and snow. <laughs> snow bears. Well, there's probably neither of those left in Alaska after World War Three, though. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so he goes and stays with his brother, and and so on. They're the only people in the world at this point who are defensive of of uh, of Achilles. Everyone else thinks he's a coward who's walking away from a chance to get Alaska for the for the market. Oh yeah. Because he is getting out, everyone's like, oh, you're just getting out on a technicality and you're too scared to fight Alexander again. And even when he's walking the streets to his brother's house, there's all the like propaganda posters about the robot jocks and there's one of him and it's been uh, graffitied with coward and he's got, you know, like devil horns and a stupid mustache and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. And even while he's at his brother's house, where they have one of the commentary jokes about how the the world's resources are tight, uh, he's being fed real meat, which means that in the pot of beans, there is a single hot dog. Ooh. Uh, but they get a prank call aimed at, at him. That's like, hey, how come uh, you tell him to stick that robot and his cowardly contract up his ass? Yeah, well, fuck you too, buddy. Yeah. And meanwhile, we cut back, because really, a lot of this movie is Athena's story too. And it's time for her to be in a big old training room with uh, all the other tubies, and it's some kind of weird training where... I mean, here's a fun thing. This movie's about piloting robots, but all of the training that you ever see is like, you guys have to fight. You guys have to climb this sea, this uh, monkey bar course. It's never, oh, you yeah. guys have to get in these robots and pilot them around and practice piloting the robots. No nope. simulators. It's always just hand-to-hand combat uh-huh. or... The final test, which Jeff was talking about, is here's just a bunch of, like, monkey bars that are all in weird shapes and angles that are connected. There's a hole at the top of the ceiling. The first one to get through the hole wins, but you better watch out because these monkey bars 
are on loan from Nickelodeon Guts. <laughs> yeah, they're they're just a, a bunch of goofy traps. Is is the way the monkey bars come down to working? Uh, but I, I'm still I'm kind of amazed that there's never a point where they're like, get in the robot simulators and pretend to pilot robots. Get in the robots, Shinji. Yeah, there's none of that. It's all just if you want to be good at robot fighting, you better be jacked as hell and know how to box. <laughs> I mean. I can almost understand the idea of, like, we need to give you hand-to-hand training to, like, I don't know, defend if someone else is punching at you so you know from muscle memory what to mm-hmm. do. But the fact that they're really, like, all of the dudes in this are supposed to be genetically perfect for this, and they are yoked. And I'm like, you don't need that. doesn't take, like, physical force to make this arm move. It's just movement. Hey, part of it I was actually going to give them credit for, which is that the... uh Athena, as a, as an actor, is not a buxom, sexy '80s babe. Oh no, she is lean and mean. Basically, just a genetic four fights lady. Yeah, like in the jumpsuit, I, all the all the leering commentary from from Achilles and Tex feels weird because she's like got the exact same figure as every other member of the Tubies. She just looks like a and the same haircut. Same haircut. Yeah, she's got a stupid little rat tail haircut, just like all of them do. But, I mean, she just looks like someone who has dedicated her life to fighting, boxing, and training, and femininity was never a part of it. So for him for him to be like, oh, sweet, a babe, and I'm like, I guess it, it, you must be hard up for babes in the robot jocks program. Yeah, because Achilles is like, uh, you know, I don't like these tubies, but some of them are okay to look at. And I'm like, really? Which, Cause which, it's just... which ones? Because they all kind of look the same. Yeah, these all just look sort of alike <laughs> eh. that one's got a vagina i can tell <laughs> ah, i've got a nose for it <laughs> uh anyway uh i did appreciate that about the casting uh i mean granted it could very well just be that she was the person who Stuart could get who knows i mean yeah. but i liked her a lot um but now it's time for them to do the rattle room yeah the the monkey bar things whole deal is the whole room is going to shake and while you're climbing on the bars, stupid crap will happen. So like, ooh, one of these bars gets super red hot and one of them shoots out a slippery liquid. Sometimes the bars just instantly vanish. Sometimes it'll electrocute you. Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, just r- sometimes the room just rattles at a crazy pace and just literally shakes you off the bars. And it's just like, hey, all of you need to get up through this red hole at the top. And it's never said out loud, but apparently it's an understood thing that whoever gets through that hole at the top of the ceiling first gets to be the robot jock. Yeah. The, I mean, at least with that training, I was like, I can kind of understand the rattling part of it to be like, if you get hit by another robot, your whole robot is going to go like careening and rattling and you're going to have to try your best to, you know keep your balance and keep fighting even when you're getting slammed by another giant robot that sort of made sense but as soon as they were like this one squirts out liquid i'm like why goofy traps sometimes you'll reach for a bar and it just won't be there while you're in a robot it'll cause you to fall on the ground what why do why do i have this as training to be in a robot was a robot designed by Macaulay Culkin or something? What's going on here? Oh yeah, the whole every robot is basically a Wonka Vader with legs. You don't want to. It's just, <laughs> it's just random crap happens. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it, the the other main one of the Tubies. I think he's the only other one who gets a name, but I'll be damned if I can remember what it is. Uh, ends. Up, it is Sargon. Sargon. Thank you. The two of them end up near the top, 
and he literally tries to kick her off the thing in order to win this this uh this important competition but ooh he ends up falling himself and you know in our third bar scene we see him in like a full upper body cast uh-huh and uh so we know that he lost pretty well ultimately it's because after he kicks her down she manages to catch a bar and start climbing back up and then right before he manages to jump up through the hole in the ceiling the ground that or the uh, the pole that he's standing on vanishes out from under him and he just falls to the ground <laughs> and it's not even like an interesting way for it she doesn't defeat him he just gets taken out by random caprice no and this is going to be one of my least favorite things in this movie is the entire arc of Athena mm-hmm. because the whole point of the movie is sort of getting it like, Oh, you know, uh, ladies can't do this, but she keeps being like, Oh, well I was, you know, f- the first one to actually get up through this hole in the rattle room. And I've proved myself. And later on, I don't even care going out of order. She basically hijacks the robot to go fight Alexander Oh, yeah. And that's close enough to where we are anyway. Oh, yeah. Because she gets after she wins that contest, they're like, oh, the next person to fight Alexander will be Athena. And Achilles is like, oh, no, a lady. Oh, I can't let a woman do a job. I better get out there and stop her. Thanks for the hot dog. And literally just. (laughs) All right, Commissioner, I'll fight in your fight. But I've got two conditions. One, no spectators. Two, quit giving ladies jobs. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, we can agree to both of those. I don't fucking care. I mean, I don't give a shit about it. They're spectators in the first place. I don't know. So uh, anyway, at this point, he's been given the new job. And that's where we get to the third bar scene where Athena shows up to yell at him because he took her job away. And I'm yeah, just like, yeah. And they're like, oh, you only quit because you wanted to use it as leverage to get a more money for the fight, didn't you? Now you're not a coward, you're greedy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, I definitely would love to get into a big fight with a robot and with a murderer who could easily murder me at any moment and has murdered all of his previous opponents. Uh, I, I'm def- that's definitely the reason I would do this for money. I, I didn't yeah, even know that just there, a couple more. Dollars. I didn't even know that there was money in this universe. Uh, this is the first we've heard of it. Yeah. But but uh. he can't tell her the truth, because obviously even, I'm sure the movie doesn't even think that, the truth is, oh, I'm in love with you. But the the movie makes it look like, well, a woman was about to fight. Yeah. Well, I had to come back in order to make sure no ladies do this. Mm-hmm. And we get that whole beer-curdling vodka scene there. Yep. And then it's time for and the, the C-plot of the movie to resolve itself. Yes. Throughout this whole thing, we've been getting the like, oh, there's a spy. How could they know how to deflect a laser without spying on us? And it comes to a head when the main uh, doctor in charge of weaponry, Dr. Matsumoto, is like, all right, Achilles, for your next fight, I've replaced some of your weapons with secret weapons. But only you will know them, and only once you get inside the robot. Nobody else, not even the engineers who are installing the weapons, know the full capabilities and ideas of what these things can do, because there's a spy among us. Yeah, and can we also talk about how, because obviously this is going to be the plot for Dr. Matsumoto, and the not-as-mentioned-as-you-probably-would-have-expected character, Tex Conway, the big, fat, old Texan, uh, who 
routinely pulls Achilles aside to say, I don't trust that. I don't really want to say the slur he says here, but let's go ahead and say that that slur is at this point, two world wars old in the continuity. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, It feels uh... weird that he's bothering with it. Was Japan on the other side of the third world war too? Or are you just a really old racist? Just a real old school racist. I mean, because think about it. World War Three hadn't happened by 1989 when this movie was made. And presumably for someone to still be perfectly fine using World War II slur, he probably was alive at that point. How old is Tex? Or is he just a, a real piece uh, of shit? Well, we know he is. He's just a real piece he of shit. He just really is a real piece of shit. I just love that he also, when he pulls aside Achilles, he's like, ah, oh, you know, I'm... There were only two people that knew about that laser, and it was me and Matsumoto. I don't trust him. And I'm like, why would you incriminate yourself like that? Exactly. Just go, there were only two people who knew. Someone who doesn't want anyone else to see the specs, and me, who really wants to see them. (laughs) Anyway, at this point... Uh, Matsumoto has made it clear that he will not announce what the secret weapons are in to anyone except Achilles and not until Achilles is in the machine. And then he'll watch a video that Matsumoto made himself. This won't stand for Tex, the obvious spy. And so he confronts Matsumoto in his office and is like, Hey Matsumoto, I don't understand why you don't trust me and you won't let me see the weapons. And Matsumoto's like, well, cause I figured out you're the spy. Duh. I know you are. We all know you're the spy now. It has been determined. Here, let me show you some video. There's that only it. two people it could be, yeah. and it's not me. So. so he pulls a gun, but Tex, because presumably he's as fast as every 100-year-old nine or 300-pound uh, sweaty guy in a jumpsuit, immediately lunges forward and gets the gun. Well, yeah, he, he takes his Texas hat off and is like, oh, golly gee, there, Matsumoto, I don't know if you could whack and hits the gun away with his hat. And he's like, oh, ho, ho, Texas. I am the spy. I'm doing it for money. And I, I think, I don't even, we don't really know why. You assume he's already rich and famous because he won 10 fights and he's got one of the most important jobs in the world. Yeah, but he only won his 10th fight because he, cheated. he was told how to win yeah. by the Confederacy who was like, all right, there's one small crack in this robot that is otherwise absolutely superior to the one that you are piloting, and you would have to hit this one tiny bit on the robot to win. And he did, and everyone was like, wow, what a lucky shot. But no, it was so that no one would suspect that he was spying. Right, and I, I got to say... They show you the footage. It's nice because that lets you see a few more robots in the movie that you had been previously not seeing for quite some time. Uh, And the laser shot that hits the robot just hits it in a nondescript part of its chest plate that looks exactly the same as the rest of the robot. Oh, yeah, but that one had a cracking crack. And Matsumoto is basically like, there's no way you could have hit that. That would have been impossible. So you're the spy. And at this point... He appeals to Texas humanity, who pretends to shoot himself and then shoots Matsumoto just to be kind of... Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, you can contain multitudes within you. Even the oldest man has a child within him. Somewhere, the true Tex Conway is within you. Let him free. Yeah, and Tex is like, this is the real Tex Conway. Kaplaf. Hey, I found the spy, he says over the phone. Although at this point, if anything happens, yeah, I, 
I confronted Matsumoto and he went and shot himself. Yeah. So get on down. Meanwhile, here. because when they go up to their robot suits, they wear full body armor and a and an opaque helmet. Uh, Athena has managed to sedate Achilles and is sneaking into the the robot so she can fly it because she really wants to. Yeah, she drugged him and locked him in his room. And at the last second, someone's like, wait a minute, you're not Achilles. And then she just like punches all of the crew members and gets in anyway. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, they have decided that in their giant, expensive, ridiculous country defining robot, there is an override by the pilot button in there. So if anyone managed to get in there that wasn't the pilot, they could just make it so it can't be shut down remotely. Yeah, you'd think that they would do something. Also, can we just say real quick that the first complaint anyone has in the control room when they realize that Achilles isn't in the in the uh, robot is, oh God, a woman. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's great. Anyway, she goes out on the field while everyone keeps trying to talk her down. Eventually, she turns the radio system off um, and gets into a fight with Alexander, uh, who just immediately kicks her ass. Oh, yeah. It's so sad because the entire thing, like I was saying, is supposed to be this, like, Athena can do whatever she wants and she can prove how to win. Like, she goes up there and she starts fighting and Achilles manages to drive his flying car into his room so he can get out. But when he gets to control, it's too late to stop her. So he's like, well, we might as well try and make her win. And I thought we were going to get basically cars like three. a cars three switch situation where it was going to be, ah, well, I'll be your tactics person and you'll fight and win. Nope. But no, she loses immediately. And the man has to come in and rescue her instead. Also the super secret weapon that Matsumoto wanted no one to know about. God damn it. She finds out that it's this flare that will burn so much brighter than the sun and should blind your opponent for a minute and a half. And nobody knows about it except you now that you're watching it in the robot jock thing. And then also here's the second half of the conversation with Tex because I was recording it and you can see that he's the spy. Mm hmm. Uh, but unfortunately she uses it. It makes her, her, uh, view screen opaque and everything. It's supposed to flash with a bright, uh, a light thousands of times brighter than the sun. Uh, it doesn't do anything. Yeah. Technically it stagger, it no. staggers him back for a second, but then he's like, I can fight blind. Why not? And just jumps on her and punches the crap out of her. Yeah. It was the most disappointing thing to just be like, and here's the super secret weapon because Achilles had been like, all right, watch out for this deploy your like razor saw line. Okay. Now use the flare. And you're like, Oh, cool. Okay. This is Athena's going to win with his help. How does he know? But about no, the flare, the flare anyway. goes off. Alexander goes, ah, covers his face with his hand a little. and goes, ah, and then just runs at her and punches her. I'm like, it didn't even blind you. You can still see. Also, I got to say in this last fight, uh, Alexander's robots been upgraded significantly. Uh, it flies in instead of coming up from the ground, and it is it, its biggest new upgrade is that it's got four legs, which I found just adorable yes. as far as uh, being a threatening robot is. It was hilarious. It was like, it's a centaur robot. Also, it's well, way bigger. I mean, it's appropriate because his whole thing is stepping on people, and he's like, now I got four feet to steps on you with. Yeah, I just thought it looked great. Uh, anyway, he just ju his robot just jumps up on top of, of hers and just starts pummeling the shit out of her. Uh, at this point, 
Achilles, who's now kind of a, 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 also, this is the point where the spy thing is revealed. Tex is like, you'll never take me alive. I'll see you all in hell. And then throws himself down an elevator shaft. No, he just jumps out the window. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, he screamed. It sounded like an elevator shaft because the echo lasts longer than he does. Oh, yeah. No, he lands in the, like, robo pit part where they've got the robot mm-hmm. normally stored. And you're like, okay, so you jumped down into the hangar and the echo continued past the sound effect for you hitting the ground. The one thing I really liked about this movie, for the most part, was sound design. uh, Because that was the one thing, when I was talking about when I was 10, I really appreciated something. It was a sound design decision. That the echo kept going after the splat happened? it hasn't happened yet. Uh, Achilles gets in his his flying car and drives out there uh, to where... The referees are standing now on their flying platform in front of Alexander and being like, don't step on her. We declare you the winner. If you murder her at this point, you will be declared the loser. He's just like, it will be worth it to step on you because I have realized that you are a woman and I do not fight women. It's it's very weird to me because I don't even think they were stopping him from stepping on her. They were just like, all right, we declare in favor. And then... Achilles gets out of his little flying car and is like, hey, you stop. I'm going to get into this robot and fight you unless you're a coward. And he's like, oh, yeah, okay, and, and sure. Everybody great. everywhere uh, on both sides is like, please stop fighting. It's already been decided. We, there's no need to get in a bunch of fights because first everyone's like, Achilles oh, yeah. or Alexander, stop fighting. You don't need to do this. And he's like, well, despite the fact that I have been per- that. Despite being a murderous asshole, I have been very reasonable about my job and my responsibilities throughout the course of this movie. Because there's the point where I go to confront Achilles in a bar and he tries to challenge me and I was like, no, I don't fight out of my robot. I'm not stupid. No, the whole point of this is to fight in robots mm-hmm. for a actual mm-hmm. goal. And now he's just abandoned that and become a wild, crazy person because it's the end of the movie. Um, and oh, then yeah. when and he steps on the... Go ahead. A- I'm sorry. Achilles gets into the robot... And he's like, all right, I'm going to do this. And then they're like, okay, fine. Uh, I guess you've won and you need to leave the field. If you don't leave the field, you'll be disqualified and he's so, for some he's reason. He's so dumb and goddamn crazy that he steps on their, on their flying referee car and forfeits the fight. Now, at this point, the fight's been forfeited. They, the uh, referees on the ground immediately stand up and call the fight for the market. Which is, it's weird, because they're like, we have called the fight for the Confederacy. Oh, wait, you stepped on my thing. We have called the fight for the market. It doesn't matter. Fuck it. We can do yeah. anything. Referees, no they rules. They can do whatever they want. Just right. Now, at this point, the fight's been called for the market, so it's time for Achilles to be getting yelled at by his staff, where they're like, we won. You don't need to fight him. Just don't fight him. And he's b- busy feeding uh, Athena out of the robot to a waiting ambulance. Then he gets in, he's like, nope, I need to fight him. I have to kick his ass for America. I mean, the market. And again, another scene here where I thought something was going to pay off, and it 100% didn't, which is when Alexander, in this beginning of this fight, shows up, and he flies in and lands, they're like, oh, he's just a big show-off. Let him waste the fuel. And then Achilles, to start this fight, fucking blasts off into space, And Alexander chases after him, and I was like, oh, I get it. He wasted fuel, so you'll get him into space, and he'll run out of fuel. Good thinking. No, that doesn't happen. And when the two of them blast off into space, that's when my sound design moment happens, because there's no sound in the space scene. (laughs) They were like, 
I don't. I assume it, that Gordon was like, well, it's fairly cheap to film without sound, and everyone knows there's no sound that can propagate through uh, through space. So we'll just make this scene silent, and that will both save us money and also be more realistic. And I was like, fuck yeah, buddy, that is slightly more realistic. <laughs> well, Good when job. I was a kid, these two transformers flying against a star background certainly feels more realistic. It's now. slightly more realistic. And I was like, when I was a kid, I was like, hell yeah. Now, of course, I'm like, I love space sounds. Give me more. Give me more TIE fighter engine. Hell yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm not crazy. I've come around to it. But when I was a little kid, and I was watching this movie. I was like, whoa, they actually knew what space sounds like. Nothing. Uh, so I'm just I'm still angry that the whole. Alexander wasted fuel flying in didn't come up because Achilles just crash lands after he gets shot with a missile in space. And I mean, he uses the cutoff arm that yeah, Athena uh, cut the Athena arm off. had cut off of his robot mm-hmm. and it's the rocket fist arm. So he shoots Alexander's own rocket fist at him. And apparently the fist moving it, what appears to be about 10 miles an hour is enough to explode Alexander's robot. When all it did to uh, Achilles' robot was push it over. <laughs> yep. But whatever. Now the two of them are both in, out of broken robots, and Alexander has switched from sort of dumb and goddamn crazy to just a maniac, where he's like, well, the, the fight's already been called for you, I guess, but I'm going to beat you to death with a pipe. Oh, yeah. Because he comes just running out of the wreckage with a pipe that's got like a little piece of scrap on the end. So it kind of looks like a long ax that he's got and like Achilles defends against it. But then he's like, no, no, my friend, the fight is done. You can live. You can live. Yeah. And the two of them have a half-assed fight on the sand, which again, I'm like, okay, the robot parts over. There's robot wreckage all over the place, but nothing seems to be super dangerous. How come no one's coming out here to stop these two? What they're doing technically counts as war, and that shit's illegal. No, they're just fighting. <laughs> they're not representing either country now. <laughs> but they just... And fighting's not that's illegal. That's true, it's not. And they just swing pipes at each other for a long time until uh, Achilles gets the upper hand, and then he's like, we don't need to do this. We don't need to fight. We can live. We can both live. And eventually that's no, no. <laughs> the life of a robot jock is death or victory, blah, but then Changes eventually, yeah, Alexander's just like, oh, fine, I'll put down this rock and we will have learned a good lesson. In the movie? We don't need to fight each other. <laughs> we just also, as long as we agreed not to fight women or wet, let women fight. As long as we don't let women have any positions of power and we continue to solve our problems through giant robots then we can live in peace. And the movie ends with the ultimate display of bro agreements to stop women from doing anything. A robot jock fist bump. (laughs) Yes, because crash and burn is the thing that they say instead of good luck, because it's like saying break a leg to an Mm -hmm. actor. It's bad luck to say good luck to someone. But also their symbol for doing that is like you just do the thumbs up and then bump fists. Yes, yeah, they do. They they bump thumbs up, and that's the movie's final Good. shot: is some thumbs up bumps, <laughs> some thumbs up bumping. <laughs> oh, it should also be mentioned. I don't know if we said this, but uh, one of Achilles's brothers' kids is uh, Goofy's oh, kid. Oh yeah, J- Jason Marsden. He, he he's a uh, he's a regular voice actor. He uh, he he does like a million different things. 
Oh yeah, he's been in goddamn everything, but he was also Max Goof in the Goof Troop and Goofy movie. Yeah, yeah, he's been around for forever. This is him in a rare appearance as a, uh, a, a live action. He's just in the movie. He's a little like nine year old boy with no lines or anything, but will go on to be in three thousand cartoons. Yes, uh, he he's uh he he does a lot of Robin type voices. That seems to be the thing he's the most the best at. But I mean, he's like the kind of guy he was on Rugrats and. He was he was Max and he was in Kim Possible and yeah, pretty much if you name a, a cartoon you liked he probably did something. Hmm. Anyway, yeah. there you go. Robot Jocks. Robot Jocks. <laughs> Robot Jocks. Let's get into our bests and worsts. Jeff, what was the best thing in this? Uh, well, I'm going to go ahead and say the robot special effects are my favorite part. They are cute. They do a lot of rear skiing projection and, and stop motion. And I just kind of appreciated that on sort of an old-fashioned technical level. That it was literally like watching an old... Harryhausen's yeah, robot like, Exactly. Jocks. It was all Harryhausen-y. And, and I know that that technically means it looks bad, but it looked bad in a quaint way that I appreciated. So I really liked the, what little what? robot effects we did see were fun to watch. And it was one of those things where they were like, right. well, we can show robots more if we do it in this cheap way. So we'll do it in this cheap way, as opposed to, you know, like the movie Crash and Burn, where it was like, don't show robots. You cannot do that. So that's something I appreciated. What was your favorite thing? Oh, man. I want to say <laughs> my favorite thing. Oof, it's hard. It's hard to really figure out a favorite thing in this. Like, I kind of want to say that there was a lot of poc in this film for no reason well, but, yeah it, the, like i figured this would be a lot of white people and it ended up being like just tex and achilles for the most part yeah well and alexander yeah, but, well yeah uh, uh but they're like the the uh the person in charge of all the tech is a japanese man all of the tubies i'm gonna go ahead and say it It looks like they they cast the tubies by just saying hey the cast of breaking or breaking would you like to be would you like to play tubies <laughs> Please, yeah, pretty please much. don't get rid of your debar style rat tails. We'll work with them. It's fine. We like it. <laughs> but yeah, the fact that they were like, this is the future of human evolution. I was like, oh, look at you. Not saying that the future of human evolution is just some blonde hair, blue eyed no, guy. It Good was appreciable. You. You're right. It was a nice thing to see. And it didn't get mentioned at all. Other than the, the fact no. that Tex himself was racist. Yeah. Tex, very racist, both against the Tubies and Matsumoto. Mm -hmm. So... You know, an even bigger piece of shit than he would have been for just being a spy. Yeah, absolutely. What is so, uh, that, your least favorite thing? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say Texas racism. I mean, I know there's a lot of sexist stuff in this movie, but we've been covering it the whole time. I'm just, the, the racism doesn't even make sense. And I don't mean against the Tubies. That makes sense. He's scared of the new, whatever. It's not a smart idea, but at least it's explainable. Uh, but where he's like, I don't trust that Japanese feller. You can't trust them. I'm like, come on, man. Even for the people making this movie, that was 50 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Not great. So his racism was my least favorite thing because it just, it didn't even make sense. What about you? Oh, my least favorite thing, as I have harped on, is their inability to pay off anything. That's fair. They don't pay off Athena's character arc. They don't pay off the super secret weapon. They don't pay off the fact that they had to make mention of Alexander using too much fuel. Everything that they put in the screen that they're like, hey, this might be important, is not. It makes me angry. Yeah, one of the things I was expecting was that they would pay off the whole spy thing by being like, oh, we've discovered corporate espionage happening of the robot jocks, so we're forfeiting to the side that's not spot that doesn't have spies. 
I don't get that. What do you mean? Well, like, as soon as there was proof that Tex was a spy, as soon as we know for, knew for sure that was happening, it should have been like, well, we're stopping the fight. Uh, we have found that the Confederation has spies that are infiltrating their organization. Obviously, that can't be legal because these fights need to be, like, clean fights or else it's going to devolve into wars again. And you can't do that. That's illegal. <laughs> well, it's fine because I think with Texas uh, throwing himself out the window and dying, that's basically the... We have plausible deniability oh, okay. of being able to be like, oh, no, he's not ours. I mean, they don't because we have him on tape saying he's the spy. I mean, that. Th- yeah, but he doesn't say I'm the spy for the Confederacy. <laughs> there's only. Do you think there's more sides? I don't. We, we get no reference to that at all throughout the movie that there might be more sides. And it's. No, all we get is that there is America and Russia, essentially. I mean, it's very clear. This movie was made in 89. It is 100% about the Cold War. That's what this is supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, so the idea that there'd be another side would make. You'd pretty much have to be China, and even then it would be too hard to do the nuance. Mm. So, anyway. Uh, yeah, there you go. Good least favorites. Yep. So, we will now rate the movie, each of us giving it a rating from 0 to 5 to give the movie a rating out of 10 total. Jeff, your Uh, rating. I I know I've been saying this is a good movie. It's not, but it's a B movie I'm okay watching uh, for various personal reasons. I'm only going to give it a a 2.5, and largely that's because I'm just such a sucker for stop motion and... uh, and, and and silly robots that that that's entirely carrying it. The actual plot of this movie, horseshit. You? Oh, I'm giving it a one and a half. It's it's bad. There's I don't even really care for the stop motion at all. It basically just felt anytime we had robot fights that I was watching a kid smash two transformers together. You felt like you were watching Ang Lee's Hulk. Yes. <laughs> I I thought for a minute. Wait a minute. We already reviewed Ang Lee's Hulk. <laughs> Why is this kid smashing two Transformers together? <sighs> but no, it was garbage. I did not like it. It paid off nothing. It made me angry 1.5. Hey, that's fair. It's okay for us to have differences of opinion. It is. It's okay. Yep. So there you go. A total of four. Yeah. It's not good. Not good, but... God, I think I might drop it down to a Oof. one. <laughs> oh my God. Are you just trying to do that to correct my score? Maybe. Uh, 3.5 feels good. Let's leave it at a 3.5. Guys, it's officially a 4. Don't let his pettiness cloud your judgments. No, nah, don't don't listen to him. Mm-hmm. I'm the one who is in charge here. He's a spy. We have to settle this with robot fights. All right. We're, <laughs> we're going to leave and go fight in giant robots, but mm-hmm. we'll be back with some TV mastery in our bonus content. If you go over to our Patreon, patreon.com, slash system mastery you can support us at so many levels for so much content at the five dollar level you unlock everything we do that includes our system mastery our expounded universe our tv mastery and the monthly afterthought you get it all what a goddamn deal 10 shows a month for five bucks oh yeah what a great deal uh, you get you just you get so much more podcasts. There's like nine more podcasts a month out of us. Which, if you like what we do, that's going to fill a lot of your boring hours at work. Hell yeah! And we are watching the littlest hobo in TV mastery right now. We have super special guest star. Given that we've been talking about Star Trek people for this entire episode as well, mm-hmm. can't wait to get into that. So please join us for that. And if you can't support us financially, of course. You can always go on to any of the uh, 
podcast stuff that you use, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, whatever, give us a five-star review. That makes it so we show up on other people's feeds as recommended. And, you know, tell someone else about us. Spread the word. Do it. And, John, get us out late there. breaking news, John, I've decided to put a woman in my giant robot to fight you. How dare you? <laughs> it's decisive commentary. We'll be back in two weeks with more Movie Mastery. And until then, you have a good one.